great day today. I actually went up into the hills a little bit. I'm thinking about just becoming a hermit. I mean, just a Mojave hermit. I love it up there. Just amazing. And just went and just hung out, climbing and walking and that kind of thing. Who was, who was walking today? Who went on the hike? Who, James, I got a picture I want to give you. All right, I got, a, I got a panorama of you standing on a hill. Yeah, I was back up, so anyhow. That way, in case the police are after, you can prove here I was standing right there. So. That's why we give out bulletins in our church so our people can prove to the police that they didn't rob the store, at least not at the time they were accused of. But anyhow, great day. Yeah, and I got to watch Noah go down the slide. That was awesome. I got, up, I got back in time to see that and see some of the, some of the great slide stuff. That was awesome. Had a great time, and uh, some of the basketball, yeah, wow, whatever, murder ball, yeah, that's exactly what it is. You know, the, you know the, the most dangerous basketball game to ever play is with women. Only time I've ever had my glasses broke when I used to wear glasses was playing, you know, I was on the court and some girls were playing around, they threw me the ball, I went up to shoot, and a girl karate chopped me right in the eyes. Both both ends went out this way, and, and uh, yeah, they're rugged, man. I'm telling you, if you ever go to a, a girls' basketball game, particularly in a Christian school where they haven't been trained properly, they massacre each other, you know? You know, it's like I went to a, I went to a fight and a girls' basketball game broke out, you know, same thing with the hockey stuff, you know, just, just amazing. And uh, hadn't the food been great? Steve, that's been awesome. Man, that's, that's been great food. And a great fellowship. I've enjoyed getting to talk with uh, different ones of you, and and uh, thankful. I'm, you know, I'm, th- I'm thankful for your spirit. Thank you for plugging in. Amen. And uh, you know, I have preached at times when I felt like I was swimming through molasses. You know, <laughs> people just come and they sort of stare at you like a calf at a new gate. You know, and you know, just what's he doing here? And, uh, and I appreciate you sort of. Being being in and on board with us, and I'm I'm grateful for that, and I thank the Lord for it, and uh, I want God to do a work in all of our hearts. Amen. That's my hope. I want you to open your Bibles to Revelation chapter two, Revelation chapter number two. Thank you, pastors, for bringing your men. Make sure and let them know how grateful you are, guys, for what they've done and and uh, the organization. Can I tell you this? You'll never know what goes behind this kind of a meeting. You come, you eat, you enjoy, it's fun, it's great. But I want to tell you there's a lot of, there's a lot of work and there's a lot of, uh, uh, there's a lot of um, uh, antsy, you know, about making sure it's done and getting it done. And I, I know that, that um, the pastors and the staff that have worked in on this have done a great job. I want, I, look, I, I have the joy of doing men's meeting. This has been a fabulous one. I want you to know that. And I've never, I've never done a men's meeting that I felt was better than this one. And it's just a great group, and, and I'm grateful for you. I want you to look with me, if you will, in Revelation chapter number 2. We're going to begin reading in verse number 18, where the Lord writes a letter to the church at Thyatira. And unto the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These things saith the Son of God, who hath his eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. I know thy works, and charity, and service, and faith, and thy patience, and thy works, 
and the last to be more than the first. I, I'd like to, can I just say something to you guys that got a little gray hair on your head? You got a little age on you? Maybe, maybe, maybe you can still do the things you once did, but it takes you a little longer to recover. Or maybe a, a little longer to do it, you know what I mean? You're, you, you know, you can still run. I used to win a, a few awards when I ran. Now I, I don't win any more awards, and, uh, but I still cover the same distance. A little bit slower, but I, I cover the same distance. And he's talking to people here, and he, and he says to them, I, I know thy works and the last to be more than the first. Boy, I pray to God that we don't get to the place to where we retire on him. Our goal ought to be, listen, you say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm retired now. Well, that gives you more time to serve the Lord. Amen. It really does. And, and, and you say, well, I don't have the energy I used to have. No, but you, you, you've got more wisdom. Right. Somebody asked me the other day uh, at a table when we were at the leadership conference, they said, well, what was it like, man, when you, went, you were 50 years old? What were the advantages or the disadvantages of that? I said, well, I guess some people would say, that the disadvantage was a loss of energy, though I've worked very hard over my life to maintain my health and to keep my energy level where it's supposed to be. And now that they've legalized some stuff near Idaho, it's really easier to do that than it used to be. And uh, I'm just cutting up, just clowning. And, and uh, oh, you, you, know, you don't even have to do anything illegally, just go breathe. So I've, I've worked hard at trying to keep myself where I can stay busy and get things done for God. But this is what I said to him. I said, the reality of the matter is at, at my age, I ought to have learned a few things about how to do things. I ought to be able to avoid some of the earlier mistakes. And I'm not, I'm not talking about shortcuts to take. I'm just talking about learning how not to waste time. And so here, the last works were more than the first. May God help us to take good notes on our journey so that we won't repeat the same mistakes and go down the same dead-end paths and, and that we might be able to not decrease our work for God. I'd, I'd like, listen, I'd like, to, I'd like to leave this place having a little bit more left in me. You know what I'm saying? I, I'd, like to, I'd like to stay on fire for the Lord. Verse 20 Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman which calleth herself a prophetess to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. Now, this, is, this doesn't have anything to do with the message. But you notice what he did? Man, he, he, he said to them, he, he, he said, uh, I know thy works and your charity and your service and your faith and your patience and your works and the last of me more. Than, and then he says, notwithstanding, I have somewhat against thee. We, we ought to learn the law of critiquing. The law, you know, you know when, we, when we can never point out to our children the good things they did, they're not really going to listen to the notwithstanding, I have somewhat against thee. When all we do is... When all we do is, is criticize our wife for what she doesn't do, what she didn't get right, what you ask her, when, 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 we, don't, when we don't lead, listen, it is, it, it is the first part of this that won the hearing for the second part of this. This is what I learned as a high school history teacher. I learned this. If my students know that I love them, they'll let me say anything to them. 
Once I convinced them that I loved them, we were friends, and friends don't rebel against friends. And I could say anything to them. So Paul, Paul has the grace to compliment them and to notice the good things they were doing. Uh, excuse me, uh, John, uh, and this is the letter from Jesus as John records it. Uh, but, but he says to them, notwithstanding, the Lord says, I have somewhat against thee. So Jesus compliments them, and now, now he's pointing out the things that they, where, where they have strayed. Watch this. So he talks about Jezebel. And I gave her space to repent of her fornications, and she repented not. Now, out beside that verse, I have two words, followed by an exclamation point. What mercy. What mercy? Are you kidding me? Here's Jezebel. What's she doing? Well, the Bible said that, 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 that uh, uh, she calls herself a prophetess, which is a lie. She's teaching uh, and to seduce the servants of God to commit fornication and to eat things, uh, sacrifice unto idols. Kill her! But God said, Jesus said, I, I gave her space to repent. I gave her an opportunity to get right. Boy, don't squander those opportunities that the Lord gives you to see the error of your way in turn. Verse 22, Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery uh, with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds, and I will kill her children with death. And all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins and hearts, and I will give unto every one of you according to your works. But unto you I say, and unto the rest in Thyatira, as many as have not known this doctrine, as have not this doctrine, and as many which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden, but that which ye have already, hold fast till I come. And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of a potter shall they broke into shivers, and uh, even as I received of my Father, and I will give him the morning star. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Look with me, if you will, in particular, verse 24. But unto you I say, and unto the rest in Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, and which have not known the depths of Satan. Let's pray. Father, help us because we need help. Speak to us, Lord. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit would say. Lord, I can speak to the ear, but only the Spirit of God can speak to the heart. And so I pray that you would take uh, the words that you have given me. I pray that you would be thorough with us, dear Jesus. Carry, carry your convicting word down deep within us. And do thy work tonight, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. I grew up at 2619 Carmel Avenue in Savannah, Georgia. Carmel Avenue was just an old red clay road. It was just, you know, just, just an old dirt road in, in, in South Georgia, and it, it ended. It, 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 Carmel Avenue dead-ended, literally it led, it was a dead end right at the Herb River, which connected to the Wilmington, which connected to Walsall Sound, which dumped out into the Atlantic Ocean. I want to tell you, I, I, I was a South Georgia river rat. I spent 
the majority of my childhood waterlogged. I would swim in the morning, I would swim in the evening, we would swim under the lights of the docks at night, and I want to tell you, I lived a Huck Finn life. I, I fished from the early years as a boy. I caught so many blue crabs that sometimes I'd sell them at the market. I grew up with a three-horse Johnson uh, outboard hooked to the back of a 12-foot wooden battow, and I would ride those rivers. I want to tell you, when you're going that slow, you learn the rivers very well, okay? You know, every, every nook and cranny and every sandbar in the river, and I literally, as just a young kid, grew up roaming those waters and camping out on the islands at night, and, and uh, it was just an absolute Huck Finn life. And I, I, I'll tell you one thing, that I, I love the smell of salty marshes. Man, when I get around the salt air, there's nothing like it in all the world. I remember as a young boy when I met my wife, uh, I tried to get her to bottle some of that salt and use it as perfume, you know. And uh, it was just when I would come home from uh, Bible college in Springfield, Missouri, as soon as I'd get close to Savannah, you could, you could, you could get the, the, the breeze of, of the, those salt marshes, and I'd roll my windows down... And I would breathe in and I would just say, oh my word, that's, that's a whole lot of heaven. I mean, there's just nothing quite like it to me and I absolutely love it. When I read this text for the first time and God brought this into my, my heart a number of years ago, I, I felt like as I was reading this that I was catching the, the smell of, of uh, an aquatic uh, atmosphere here on uh, the the uh, Lycus River. It's located uh, there, uh, not far uh, uh, from the Aegean Sea, the Lycus River Valley. The Lycus River flowing through that, not far from the Aegean Sea, and right there on the banks of that river was the city of Thyatira. And uh, and so as Paul is writing to them here, he's not talking to people that live in the mountains about depths. Okay. What, is, what are you talking about? No, he's talking to people. He's giving them an illustration. People that grew up on the banks of a river, they knew exactly what he was talking about as he talked to them about the depths of Satan. He, he referred to those that did not embrace the doctrine of a woman in their midst called Jezebel and to those who had not known the depths of Satan. Now, I wanna, I, Guys, I want you to look at me. There are some things that ought to make the hair on the back of our neck stand up, and that phrase ought to be one of them. Amen. When, we think about, when we think about what he's referring to, he said, I'm writing to those of you in this church that have not yielded to the doctrine of this woman who has corrupted this church and to those of you who have not yet known the depths of of Satan. That's a haunting, haunting phrase to me as I read it. And I cannot help but think of, of illustrations where I feel like there are people that have been swept into those very depths. I remember a lady by the name of Andrea Yates on June 20, 2001. One by one, you may remember that it was in the national news. One by one, she takes her five children Takes, takes them into the bathroom where she's filled the tub up and, and she brings them into the tub 
And, and as she has them there, she leans them over backwards. As they glance up at their mother's face, the mother that sang lullabies to them, perhaps when they were young, the mother that cooked breakfast for them, maybe the morning before, as she takes them in, 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 in uh, the bathtub and, and then buries their head under the water, and they begin to look up at the, at the crazed face of their mother, and they begin to fight and thrash around. Andrea Yates literally held her children one by one, all five of them underneath the water in the bathtub in, in, a, in, a, in a very room, in a very tub where they had one time perhaps played with toys and, and, and romped together and, 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 and had a bubble bath. Now in that very place, Andrea Yates drowns them. Listen to their names. Noah, seven. John, five. Paul, three. Luke 2, and little Mary was only six months old. She killed all of her children. Now what in the world, listen, what in the world would cause a mother to drown her six her five children? The only thing that could be answered in that is that somewhere, at some point, at some time, Andrea Yates was swept into the very depths of Satan. I think of Alice Cooper, September of 1969, and I understand the changes that have taken place in his life, and I rejoice in those. But at the Rock and Roll Revival concert in, in Toronto, teenage girls on the front row of that concert as, as he performs, and he takes a live chicken and tosses it to them. Listen, I'm talking about uh, uh, 15 and 16-year-old girls that at one time, 17-year-old uh, girls at one time, they were out in the backyard uh, getting some grass up and you know putting it in a little bowl, and they, they, were, they, they were playing house. Uh, in the backyard, those little girls at one time sat on Papa's knee and rode horsey. Those little girls carried their baby dolls around. Those little girls were innocent as, as, as the mom and dad read them a, a little bedtime story. And now all of a sudden, they're at the front row of a rock concert and, 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 a, and a live chicken is thrown to them. And they literally rip the chicken apart, blood spurting all over everybody. One gets a wing, one gets a, a, a foot and a claw, the other pulls the head off. Some are grabbing handfuls of, of the breastbone, and they're literally blood flowing off of their hands. They rip the chicken to shreds. Why? Because they wanted a souvenir from an Alice Cooper concert. What would turn a little girl into someone that would do that somewhere in their young life? They went in over their head, and they found the depths of Satan. Small town where I pastored in, 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 in Georgia. The son of a respected banker, one of the most respected families in our community, worked down at, at, at Rotary Corporation, which, which is a national lawnmower producing, uh, part producing company that sells parts all over, all over the United States of America. University of Georgia graduate, he was let go of his job for for some reason or another, lack of performance and not being able to handle that, being angry at the fact that, that he had been let go. He went to his supervisor's house on an Easter morning. The sprinklers were on. He turned the sprinklers off. 
hid in the bushes and took a 20-gauge shotgun that he had just bought the day before, hid in the bushes, and when, and, and when his supervisor came out uh, to check why the sprinklers weren't wor- working, he jumped out from behind the bushes and shot him dead. As his body lay bleeding in the yard, the young man went home, put the gun up in the gun rack, and went and ate breakfast with his parents. How in the world could anybody do such a horrendous thing? The, 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 the funeral in that, that city, that rural city, the people on, on the viewing night were, were, were poured out of the funeral home and, and lined way down the street. It shook that city to its core. Why? Because a young man somewhere at some time found the depths of Satan. It's an interesting phrase because, you know, isn't it, isn't it funny when the demons were cast out of the, 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 the maniac and, and cast into the hogs, the first thing the demons did was take them into the depths. It's, inter- it's interesting that, that, that move that took place there and, and, and beyond the familiar waves that lap at the shore like the tongue of a thirsty dog, there is a vast ocean of destruction. And those of you that, that, that have grown up in this area and you understand as you look there and look at the beauty of the Pacific or as I grew up as a boy and looked at the beauty of the Atlantic, I want to tell you something. There, it's a beautiful scene, but you know full well you go out very far and there's a, there's a lot of danger beyond those breakers. And I want to tell you, these people that lived on the banks of the Lyca River, they... They knew exactly what, what he was talking about when he talked about the depths. Now, let me give you some points, first of all, that are just their common sense. Let me tell you something. People play in the shallows, but they drown in the depths. People play in the shallows, but they drown in the depths. And, and, and I, think it, I think it stands to reason, does it not, that if Satan has depths, he also has the shallows, and, and actually, by mentioning depths, God is warning us of the shallows. That, that's, that's, that's really what he's doing. And, and, and uh, you know, I, I remember visiting Walla Walla, uh, Brother Ferg, and, and uh, going to where uh, Marcus and Narcissa Whitman uh, uh, lost their lives. But I stood on, the, on a bank where a little river used to rivet its way through that countryside and there's a placard there that talks about the tragedy of when the Whitmans had their young daughter just stray away from the bank and got out over her head down into that river. And there on the banks of that river, Marcus and Narcissa Whitman had a broken heart as their daughter drowned just yards out. The reality of the matter is the small sin, the, the, the things that, that we are entertaining in our life uh, can be the very thing, listen, that given... Just a few more yards, just a little more time are the very things that will swallow you and smother you and wreck your life and destroy your family and ruin your ministry. There were families in the Lyca River Valley. They had heard the screams. Listen, there were people that lived there that when they saw that river, it brought back horrendous memories of tragic events of a loved one that drowned there. They knew. They knew what it was like when he wrote to them about the depths. See, here's, here's what you do, and you, you, you know this. 
a lot of times when I talk with people, they, they don't understand some of the concepts, but you, you being here, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You can go down to the beach and you see little kids there and they're just sloshing around in the little pools that are there. They're just ankle deep and, 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 and they're, they're just sloshing around there and they're, the, the water's foaming out at their feet and, and, and it's just all innocent and it's not, you know, it's, it's no, there's no danger. It's all good and it's, it's all okay. But if you just look out a little further, you take that child, pick that child up and move that child out just a few yards further and they're gone. And sometimes in our life, we slosh around. It's not really porn, but it's not really what God wants us to watch. It's there's some suggestiveness in it. You wouldn't allow a couple to come into your house and sit down on your couch and make out in front of you and grope each other and go through all the, all, all, all the sensuality that is seen on many of our television shows today. But as long as it's on that little rectangular box, it's okay. And we're sloshing around. We're playing with things and we're allowing, we're allowing things in our life that if we, we give it just a little further and a, and a little more time, it's going to take us away. Amen. I was a young boy. We would go on vacation every year to St. Petersburg, Florida. And so we're down there at a little place called Madeira Beach and we're under a lozier there, some lounge chairs and the adults sit there and I remember I was in there uh, just hanging out a little bit. My mom and dad were there. There's some other, other adults around. Down the, down, the, down the beach, right down a little seawall, there was a point there that swept around to the beach. This was sort of a sandy, the St. John's Pass swept out into the Gulf of Mexico. So as the St. John's Pass was flowing past us, down that wall, and then some rocks, and around those, that, that, little, that little edge of beach there was the larger uh, Madeira Beach that swept across to the right. A young boy was up on a, um, just sort of one of those uh, inflatable uh, beds. You know, it's got the little rip, ripples in it and the, the little pillow head. And he got up on that and that, that Florida sun, that West Coast Florida sun just began to bake down on him. And, and, and just the just that ease of the water as it just moved there in sort of a little eddy out of the stream. And there it was. He was just sort of there and began to drift off asleep. A, a breeze came by and just began to push it a little further, a little closer to the St. John's and, and where, the, where, the, where the water picked up speed. And there he is and asleep unbeknownst to what's going on. And, and all of a sudden it pushes it out. That breeze does right out into the flow of that stream. And all of a sudden it picks up speed and the bumps now are not so gentle. And it's beginning to take him out. He's being carried out into the Gulf of Mexico. Nobody sees him. Nobody notices. And all of a sudden he wakes up and realizes how far he's gone. And, and, and that, and that, and that just a, just a little while ago, I was there just a little while ago. I was near my family. I was near my brother. I was near the shore. I was near safety, but I let myself drift off. And now he's being taken away. And so he panics and he falls off of the, of the little raft and the raft pops out from him. And it's now going out of sight. And he begins to scream. I'll never forget his scream to this day. My dad was under the lozier, and my dad heard the scream, and my dad jumped up and began to run. And my, I remember my mother screaming out, James, James, don't, James. 
But what was my dad to do? He couldn't let the boy drown, and so he's running with all his might down to go swim out to, to save the boy's life. Right as he gets out there, the boy's brother, the boy's brother reaches him before anybody can, and, and, and never having never taken any lifeguard uh, safety, the kid literally shredded his brother's face. Fear of his own life, he's drowning. He grabs his brother's face and literally rips, rips rows of just of just bloody burrows through his face. And now two kids, two boys are out there drowning. They're fighting and trying to hang on to each other, and they're both drowning. Just the last moment, it seemed. As my dad was making his way out, a boat flew around the corner and got to those boys and pulled them out and saved their life. I'm going to tell you, the reality of the matter is this. We all start out in the shallows. We all start out in the eddies. It's not, it's not a big current. It's not a bad current. It, it, hey, listen, it, the, you know, this, this isn't too deep. This is, this is all right. This is comfortable to me. And yet before we know it, the shallows turn into the depths and people drown. Can I tell you this? Look at me. The scream that I heard from that boy that day in St. Petersburg, Florida, I have heard preacher over and 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 over again in my ministry. Guys that I prayed with in Bible college that went out and pastored churches at the same time I did. And I go to their cities now. I drive through their cities and I, I look at the sign and it says, Welcome to wherever. And I, I think to myself, He used to be here. I think to young men that, that I've had the privilege of counseling and helping, and now all of a sudden, where are they? There's no more counsel. There's no more help. Why? Because the thing that they sloshed in was the very thing that drowned them, given a few more yards out. I'm going to tell you, you can be sitting here tonight, and next year when this conference comes, you can be a thousand miles from shore. You can be sitting here tonight enjoying all the good times and enjoying the preaching and enjoying the fellowship and going down the slide and doing the workout and, 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 and hanging out with your friends and just the feel of what it is to be men together and men in fellowship. And next year, somebody can say, where are they? Well, you didn't hear. You didn't hear. And you're gone. Just like that. Second thing I want you to notice is not only do people play in the shallows but drown in the depths. The second thing is that the shallows precede the depths. The shallows precede the depths. Now, let me, let me tell you this. You're never going to reach the depths without first crossing the shallows. Do you know what separation is about? Separation isn't keeping you from the depths. Separation is keeping you from the shallows. That's what separation's about. It's about playing it safe. It's about keeping you from things that can lead you to a destructive, addictive lifestyle. And everybody that wound up in over their head started out just ankle deep. Now I want to say this to you. All sin is horrible. And yet there's some that is, that is more severe both in its uh, both in its act and in its consequences. The problem is it all leads down. Let me show you. Look, look with me in Psalm 19. Would you do that? 
Go to the 19th Psalm for a moment. David is praying here. He's talking to God. And he says in Psalm 19, I'll give you a second just to get there. Psalm 19. Let me give you an example. There's, there's a difference in wearing your seatbelt and in killing someone. Okay? Both in, both in, and I realize that, well, I won't get into all that. But anyhow, it, it's, I don't like seatbelts. But anyhow, that's why I have a motorcycle. But anyhow, so, both in the, both in the, in the act and the consequence. But I want you to watch this. Verse number 12 of Psalm 19. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me. From secret faults. You know what secret faults are? They're things that others don't see. I got some secrets in my life. I'm hiding them. Watch this. Keep back thy servant from presumptuous sins. What are presumptuous sins? Those are the sins that I think I can handle. Now, there's some that are secret that are hidden that I'm hiding and I've got them in my life and they're up on a shelf and the door is shut and I don't want anybody to know it. They're, they're secret sins, sins that I don't give my wife access to, that she can't find and she can't see, but in the quietness of my life, I can look right here. You know what happened when I was a teenager? We had pastors that get up and would preach against the drive-in movies and things like that. Why? Because there was smut available to you there. And guess what happened? They pumped it straight into the home through cable TV. And so preachers started preaching against cable TV, just trying to help people out, really, honest, sincere men, and, 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 and preaching against it. And guess what happens now? You carry it in your back pocket. That's a movie screen. That's a porn show. That's what that is. And I'm going to tell you right now, by far and away, the majority of people that I've talked to whose marriages collapsed, it all began with porn. And those that began in porn, most of them was either a cell phone or a computer. That's right. That's where it begins, you see. But it doesn't end there. Watch this. Look at verse 12 again. Who can understand his errors? Keep thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins, sins that I'm stupid enough to think that I can handle. Let them not be, let them not have dominion over me. Watch. Then shall I be upright and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. You know, do, you know what, do you know what secret sins and presumptuous sins are? They're the shallows. You know what the great transgression is? It's the depths of Satan. So what David is praying here, he's saying, Dear God, keep me out of the shallows so that I can avoid the depths that wait on me there. And yet it was from the rooftops. It was from the rooftop that David, uh, the, the shallows of a rooftop, if I could say it that way, that David first contemplated his sin with Bathsheba and was ultimately swept into those depths and murder had been committed, and David's family was torn apart, and David's kingdom was stole from him. Where did Lot begin? Lot began by pitching his tent in the shallows towards Sodom. And then all of a sudden, you find him into the depths there, and his family was wrecked, his wife was dead, and incest 
took place in a cave above Zoar. The shallows always precede the depths. This is all I'm saying to you. If you're sloshing around with something right now, I don't care how presumptuous you are and how you think you've got it handled. If you're messing around with things right now, just a little ways out, you're gone. Your marriage is over. Your ministry, your ministry is ruined. Your testimony amongst the brethren that you sit around with right now, listen to me, you're going to scar your life, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to hurt yourself, and you're going to limit yourself. If you don't wake up and realize there's a drop-off in your future. Let me say third of all, and that's simply this. Your location determines your perspective. Where are you at right now with God? I mean, we're, these songs, these songs, by the way, I don't like them. Why? Because I'm blowing my throat out singing. Now I've got to get up and preach. I saw a piece of tonsil fly out earlier in one of the songs. And I had my tonsils taken out when I was 12. What, what is with that? No, we're singing songs and, 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 and we're, we're rejoicing. So, so, so here's, here's the challenge. It's been the challenge, the, the, this whole meeting uh, uh, in, in, in the singing and in the fellowship. Where are you at in your walk with God? Well, that's what Brother Chadwick's been talking about. Where are you at in your walk with God? What is this meeting about? Going down the slide? No, that's a part of the fun. But it's about getting you and him right. Amen. You and him in tune. Yes. You and him on the same page. Yeah. That's what it's all about. On the East Coast, on the East Coast, you're here. <laughs> you're water level. You look out, and you know what you see out there? Just, I mean, you just look out. You see a line. And sometimes it's hard to determine where that line is because the, the, the water and the sky sort of blend together. And, and you just look out, there's just a line on the horizon. You can't see anything except a head sticking up over here. Maybe a dolphin fin. Hoping it's a dolphin, you know. <laughs> hope it is. If you're in New Smyrna Beach, the shark bite capital of the world is probably not. Run for your life. But anyhow, I've been in Gatlinburg before where people were down in the, in the mountain rivers playing and screamed shark. And you should see the kids running for land. But anyhow, shark! Anyhow, so, so, so here you're looking... You're looking, and, 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 and all you see is the horizon. You know what happened to me one day? I went to Oregon, the coast of Oregon. I, I'd never been there. I, I'd never seen mountains and ocean. No, in Georgia, you've got ocean, and then travel the length of the state, and there are mountains. Now, honestly, people in their backyard have got a berm, just a little hill there, and they say, well, there's a mountain. No, that's not a mountain. <laughs> That's a trash dump. But anyhow, it's where you buried spot. Anyhow, but so, so, so I, I'm in Oregon, and I'm standing up on this mountain looking at waves crashing down below. You know what I, you know what I found out? I, 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 I could see the change in water. I, I, could, see, I could see boulders, and I could see seaweed, and I could see where the water began to drop off. And, and from this perspective, man, I just looked at that and I thought, this is incredible. The higher up we are, the better perspective we have of, of where those dangers and pitfalls are in our life. 
I wrote an article one time. I flew over the English Channel at 35,000 feet. And as I looked out, as the sun rose over the English Channel, the thought came to me, and I wrote an article on it, and the article was this, Do Atheists Never Have Window Seats? How can you have a window seat? And look out at this incredible place that God made and, and, and believe that there is no God. And so it's important that our, that our perspective be higher than just living on earth level, just living on parallel with, with the world. Dr. Raymond Hancock, a dear friend of mine who's home with the Lord now, Dr. Hancock said this, he said, We need men who have been on the mount with God. We need men who have been on the mount with God. Now, I want to tell you something. Uh, if you walk in the Spirit, if you'll just walk in the Spirit, you'll have a vantage point that you won't have if you're walking in the world, of the world, and with the world. If you'll just walk with God, your perspective will be better than people around you that you work with and, and people that have no discernment. You'll, be, you'll, you'll see things from God's perspective. And He'll warn you. He'll warn you. We ought not try to build our ministries in the shallows. We ought to, listen, give me a youth pastor. Give me a youth pastor and a staff members that's more concerned about being godly than hip-hop. And I thank God for these staff guys that, I, that, I, that I'm, I'm meeting and some of them I've already known. I thank God for them. You know why? Because their concern, their concern is not so much being popular. Nobody wants to be unpopular, but that's not the major goal of their life. They're trying to impact people's life for Christ. And we're killing our churches by hiring glory boys that want to be yo dudes and have all the kids look up to them as a hero. Every song we've sang has said one thing. We do have a hero. And it's not here. It's him. And we ought to live for him. Let me say next, the drop-off is gradual. The drop-off is gradual. Lot worked his way out to Sin City one step at a time. Bob Jones Sr. used to say this, Behind every man who falls into deep sin, there's a sinful thought process that leads him there. I don't, I've never met anybody, Brother Ferg, that woke up and said, what, what happened to you? Well, preacher, I just got up one day and walked outside and said, Man, what a day. What, what a beautiful day to wreck my life. I, listen, if there's ever going to be a day I'm going to destroy my marriage, I'm going to wound my kids, I'm going to lose my ministry, I'm going to disappoint my parents, I'm going, I'm going to shatter my friends. If, if there's ever been a day when I'm going to betray everything that I've ever been taught and ever professed, this is the day. That's not how it happens. You know how it happens? Just one step at a time. That's how it happens. The drop-off is gradual. Nobody intends to go that far into the deep. They just get bored with the shallows. You know what I found with my kids as we swim? They, they, I'd, I'd give them a, oh, don't go out any further. You, you know what happened? That, that was good for a while. You know what I'm talking about. It was good for a while, but what happens? They're getting out deeper. They're getting out deeper. I, I, I have saved the lives of six people, literally. I pulled six people out that were drowning. Growing up where I grew up, it was just one of those things. I don't know why, but, but six people, one of them was my daughter. And, and, and it's, always, 
It's always, okay, this is fun, but now this isn't enough. Okay, I like this, but now I want to go further out and further out and further out. Ignorant of what is there. And and the reality of the matter is they get comfortable with where they are in sin's presence and they get galvanized to the presence of danger and all of a sudden it happens. Well, you just relax with a female employee. Yes, you're having lunch with her and yes, your wife isn't there, but yes, it's over business. Yeah, it'll be over business. His business. That's what'll happen. People used to look at me cockamamie because I'd say this, don't ride in a car. No, no, don't do it. No, 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 don't do it. Well, my job requires me. Then take two cars. Drive separately. If one of the women from my church, if one of the women from my church had a broken down car and was driving somewhere, I'd give her my car keys and let her take my car to go get help, but I wouldn't pick her up and drive her. Why? Because we're to abstain from all appearance of evil. It it, it doesn't matter whether it's evil. It matters whether it can be perceived as evil. And men have had their lives and ministries and marriages ruined simply because something was perceived to be wrong. Listen, we've got to get back to building boundaries. If a wife, if somebody's wife wants to counsel me about problems she's having with her husband, and she doesn't want my wife there, she don't get counseled. Because that's a dead sure sign something's wrong. Well, I'd be embarrassed to say it in front of her. Well, you ought to be embarrassed to say it in front of me if you're embarrassed to say it in front of her. What about the aged women? Ferg, we're we're killing ourselves. You know what we're doing? We, We are being so presumptuous as to think we can handle things that God never intended us to handle. I'm going to tell you right now, listen to me. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a psychiatrist. I don't have all the answers, but I do have the book. Okay? And I'll tell you something else. I believe with all my heart. I believe that most counseling can be done if people will pay attention in the service. That cuts down on a lot of counsel. A lot of times they come and... Let me give you an example. There was a guy in my church one time. I preached on a a Sunday night. I I preached on temptation. Yielding to temptation. Man, it was gun barrel straight. God just worked in that service. He wasn't there. And the next day, I got a call from a lady that was in the church, and he had approached her while her husband was out of town and made advances at her the very next day. Her husband got on a plane, flew home, met the man out of this house where he was building, and threatened to kill him. The man drove to my house that had committed the act, the attempted act, and he said to me, he told me never to come back to church, pastor. They were both members of my church. He told me I better never see him, never cross the street. If I'm on the street, he better go cross the street. He told me not to ever put foot in this church again. What should I do? I said, I wouldn't go to church if I were you. You know why? He'll kill you. There's no joke. Now, in trying to work that out and trying to help them both out, I did that. But the reality of the matter is simply this. He wasn't there when he could have got good counsel that might have saved his life and saved the marriage that he lost over what he did. 
the drop-off is gradual. Carlisle said the greatest security against sin is to be shocked at its presence. And yet the, the reality of the matter is we sit somewhere up at night down in a little nook where we've got what we call our office and the computer is there and we click on forbidden fruit and it takes us places we would never travel in our car. It takes us places where we know we're wrong. It takes us into areas of life where we feel and smell the rancid breath of hell in our life and all of a sudden we're looking at things and experiencing things that we never would have experienced had we not gone there. And I'm going to tell you something, friend. Listen to me. The drop-off is gradual. It'll lead you from where you are and where you were and everything that you loved and every person you embraced. It'll take you somewhere where you never could imagine you would go. I've sat with young guys that had, had the potential and the promise to do great things for God. But little by little by little by little, they went into the drop-off. And now their ministries are gone and their churches are shuttered. Their testimony is ruined. Their children spend weekends here and weekends there. All because they would not listen. The mouth of a strange woman, Proverbs twenty-two fourteen says, is a deep pit. Interesting that word deep, is it not? Proverbs 23, verse 27, for a whore is a deep ditch. The whore is a deep ditch and a strange woman a narrow pit. Proverbs 9, 18, listen. But he knoweth not that the dead are there and that her guests are in the depths of hell. You better, first of all, every relationship is based on trust. Yeah. I get so irritated when I, I preach a, um, a marriage conference and I talk about men turning their passwords over to their wife and, and having things filtered and, 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 and he sort of bodes up. Let me tell you something. That shows immediately there's a problem. You got a problem, dude. You got Some lady comes to me and says, well, my husband says everything's good and that I ought to trust him. And the dude goes, I said, ma'am, he's lying to your face. And you quote me on that, would you? Please. And tell him to come see me. I'd like to talk with him. I'll look him dead in the face and say, you're a liar. I know it, you know it, and God knows it. You know what? You know what? I'll lay my phone around anywhere, anytime, at any place. I'll give you my password. I don't hide my phone from my wife. She's got every password I've got. Every relation, he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a reward of them that diligently seek him. You know what that is? T-R-U-S-T, trust. You can't even have a relationship with God if there's not trust that's built there. And for us to think that we can live happily ever after and yet we, don't have built, we, don't, we haven't built up trust, he that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. So I'm not to trust me, but I am to build trust with her. In my life and in my marriage. Job, Job said that he had made a covenant with his eyes. Why should I behold? Why should I think upon a maid? Why should I think upon a maid? Now, guys, you look at me. Stop your excuses about your maleness. 
I had some guy that I talked to not long ago whose marriage collapsed, and he said this, everybody's doing it. I said, boy, look at me. Don't, yeah. look, don't, don't, get, don't you taint the rest of us. Amen. Don't you taint people that are trying to live right Amen. and trying to do right by causing suspicion in the eyes of women that every man is a dog. Amen. Young wife whose husband was unfaithful to her looked at me, and she said, I hate men. I said, why? She said, every man is unfaithful. I said, you ever figure out that every man that's unfaithful had a woman that was unfaithful? And so there's either one or maybe multiple women that are unfaithful. So that gives me the right to hate women? No. Stop blaming everybody for your own individual sin. Listen, if we can't control what we think, then why did Jesus rebuke people for their thoughts? Why did he do that? No, the reality of the matter is we can control what we think. If we yield, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And I'm going to tell you something. Here's the reality of the matter. If, if, if you will stop looking at everything else in the world, in all, all, all of the airbrushed filth and garbage that this world produces, you become satisfied with your wife. If you put a bowl of food in front of you and you got nothing else to eat, you're going to start, that bowl of food is going to start looking good. Well, Pastor, she's changed over the years. Rip your shirt off and stand in front of a mirror. You, you look pathetic. You know what I do when I go swimming now? I saw some of you, and I'm glad. You know what I do? At my age, I wear a wet, I, I, just, wear one, you know, it's, it's, I just wear one of those shirts. And I, I had somebody say, our pastor looks buff. And I said, yeah, that's why I bought a buff shirt, okay? It's got built-in abs, you know. Good night, man. I've, I've been to the beach before, and some guy walked by, and I thought, no. No. Dude, seagulls are dying. It's horrible, son. Good night. Cover up or get surgery, something, I don't know. Don't make me go any further, but it's bad. Now, here's the reality of the matter is this. You can drown in six feet of water or you can drown in 600 feet. It don't matter. You just got to get over your head. You, you, just, you just have to get over your head. We were fishing at Sanibel Island, Florida. We'd go, my, you know, we, we'd just go down to Florida, have a great time. I was, I, was, I was out in the surf there, had my big paw. I was fishing out and trying to catch some pompano and having a great time. Didn't get a bite. Not a bite. Unusual. Not a bite. So after fishing a little while, Susie and the kids, they were shell hunting up over where Blind Pass sweeps out into the Gulf of Mexico. And so I reeled it in and threw the piece of shrimp off and hooked the hook up in the eye and tightened it up, went and laid my, laid my rod down by my tackle box there and walked over to where Susie and the kids were at. And I said to her, I said, where's Georgia Brown? Now, Georgia is, Georgia is, Georgia is, She's my youngest girl, brown hair, brown eyes. I told her to never get brown teeth or it would just, it would, it's just sort of a trilogy there. 
she got olive colored, colored skin, just a beautiful girl, and she's like an Indian princess. And I said to Susie, I said, where's, my, where's, where's Georgia Brown at? And she said, Dean, I don't know. She was right here. And I took a, ha- a large step over to where a shell mound dipped down into the blind pass, and I saw my daughter literally with her mouth puffed up, her eyes wide open, her hair was out like this, coming this way. The, the current was taking her under, and she was reaching up like this. And I dove in the water, reached down and grabbed her, and, and, and pushed off and thrust her up as the tide was sweeping us under the bridge. And as her head got above the water, I could hear that cry of hers as she just exploded in tears and cry. I got her to the shore. I got her to the shore and held her. She was petrified. Listen, the water wasn't super deep there, but she was just over her head. I wasn't. I was able to push off to a degree and get her up, but it was way over her head and way too much. David said, out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. Guys, look at me. Listen to me. Listen to me. Please listen to me. There's so much more to the Christian life than surviving. Do you know what's going to happen? You, you know what happens? You can dog paddle for so long before you wear out. And I feel like some of you are just dog paddling. You're just dog paddling. Yeah, you're keeping your head above water, but it's the same thing last year. It's the same thing you're fighting the year before and the year before and the year before. And then you go to the altar and you, you're just saying, God, I'm tired. I'm, I'm tired. But you're not taking the steps to get in right relationship with Christ and turn your life over and get some accountability in your life. I've heard of people drowning in oceans and rivers and lakes and ponds and canals and even tubs. But I've never read a paper where it said Farmer Brown was standing in his field plucking corn and he drowned. You know why? You don't drown in your field, you drown in the river. Just stay away. Just, Just stay safe. One thing and I close to our pastors and our workers our people that minister. Can I just tell you there ought to be a great sign up that said you know most of the time it's like swimmers beware lifeguard not on duty swimmers beware. Can I tell you what ought to be in the ministry lifeguards beware because we, we spend our time going out and reaching people in trouble. And, 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 and the Bible says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. I've had some good friends of mine that were counseling in areas that I thought to myself, you ought not be doing that alone. And sure enough, they're gone. I was 16 years old. I used to surf in Savannah. I was 16 years old. I was down at the beach in an area. Uh, the surfers would, would always, there were, there were the 7th and 14th and 11th streets, and that's where, the, that's, that's where all the surfers hung out. 
Savannah wasn't a great, people go to Cocoa Beach to, to really surf. Savannah wasn't a great surfing beach. If a, if a hurricane was coming, you could always tell because the surfers were all out. But there, there, was, there was a point here where the eddies were at that, that, that everybody knew don't get there. Why? Because the riptide pulls around those rocks and just, it just pulls you out. You don't, you don't swim there. And near there, there was a place called the Sugar Shack that had the best root beer float this side of glory. It's unbelievable. It's amazing. And I was there in line to get a root beer float. And right down a short little road was the beach where the, where the tide swept around the rocks. And I heard a scream. I heard somebody screaming, help me, somebody help me, somebody help me. And I, I left the line and I took off and I ran, I ran down that beach. And as I looked out, there was a young girl out there, a teenage girl, and she was being pulled out, and she was, she was screaming for her life, literally. She was drowning. I just didn't even stop. I just ran straight across the beach, ran out into the water, dove into the water, swam toward her, and I knew exactly what she was going to do. She was going to drown me. Brother Ralph, I've had some good matches in my life, but that was the best right cross I ever threw. <laughs> true story. I hit her right on the button and she was gone. Now I've got a limp girl in the water. I put my arms up underneath her and cradled her this way and began to try to get back to the shore. And just after the adrenaline just rushed through me, I realized something. Now I'm drowning. Now it's me. She's out. She doesn't know what's going on, and now I'm drowning. And I remember as I fought the riptide, you're not supposed to go directly against it. You're supposed to cut across. As I began to do that, I remember, I remember praying, dear God, I'm drowning. I need you to help me now. I didn't scream. I didn't cry. There was nobody to hear. I just needed God's help. And somehow I got myself and that girl to safety. Her friends who had gone for help now, a lot of good that does, they'd gone for help, came back to the beach with somebody as I'm dragging her up from the, from the surf. She comes to. She starts thrashing and screaming. Her kids are embracing her. They're, they're crying and, and, and thanking me. And I said, it was nothing. Just, hey, just, just don't, don't look, don't swim here anymore. Go down the beach. You're not supposed to swim here. It was nothing. I left them, walked beyond the sugar shack, found some bushes, and threw up everything I had eaten for two weeks. Got on my knees, sobbing, and literally hurling everything I had eaten, shaking, shaking, and shaking. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. Listen to me. You can be sincere. And you can spend your life saving people, but if you're not careful, the very thing you're saving them from will be the thing that takes you out. The depths of Satan. Would you bow your head?